you're joining me with George and we've got, well, hopefully what will be a fun agenda for you today. We're going to go through the latest news, injuries, suspensions. I know we're allowed to talk MRO now that NO is not here. So that's pretty exciting for us. I'll gonna... keep a lid on it for you. We'll see how we go. <laughs> uh, we're going to go over um, one key learning from this year, uh, some cheap options and downgrades and touch on some premiums, captains, all that good stuff as well. But before we jump into the agenda, George, let's start with you. How was your weekend? How did Supercoach go and how are you feeling? Uh, pretty good. Uh, how do we go this week? Uh, 2,582 into rank 1.3K. So I think uh, we've got to be realistic here. The goal would be just a three-digit rank, which I would take. But a uh, few iffy ones like Himmelberg's playing terrible. Keys' CBAs are one-digit. So uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, no trades, fortunately. I uh, only have the two left. Might go down to zero. I think we'll discuss that Ooh. later. Although I don't think I've ever gone down to zero this early. But um, yeah, we'll see how we go. Um, but yeah, overall, I think your yeah, week was pretty good. Uh, MVP was... I'd have to give it to uh, probably Lockie Neal for the captaincy. I love that. Oh, I, did, I did miss someone. I did. I probably should give it to Jack Steele, but I speak about him every yeah. single podcast. So I shout out to Jack Steele, but I think uh, we did the same. We both had the Bond VC, and really, do I pass on a 123? But Neil against Let's a waffle go. team was a with little no, bit with hard no, to pass with up. no Dunkley, with no Dunkley. As well, yeah, which is yeah. Game. So, yeah. um, I give it to Lucky Neil because it's always slightly nerve wracking when you pass on a good VC. So. I'll give it to Neil, but yeah, shout out to Steele for doing that Herculean performance. And yeah. how did you go this week? I, mean, I don't know why, but I was very confident with the Neil C. I just felt the way he's been playing the last few games, he's been trying to get into more of the uncontested game as well. And so even though he had a poor first half, he uh, yeah, built into that game. Um, so I scored a 26-1-5, which moved me up about 45 spots to 157 overall. Um, finally, uh, let go of Oliver. Um, you know, very Titanic scenes on the raft and letting him sink away into the ocean and traded him to Butters, who didn't put up exactly a great score this week, but hopefully will get me some points between here and the end of the year. Uh, so, yeah, 157 overall now. Um, two trades left. Uh, I've got 120K, though, so if I do have any any injuries that come my way, I can adjust for those. MVP, I mean, it's hard to go past Neil, but given that you've taken him, I will go for Zach Merritt just uh, as a Bombers man. Oh, actually, I feel like this is insult to injury for you, George. Sorry. I, like, I did, here we it go. Didn't even, it didn't even twig my, in my mind, but now that we're here, um, uh, yeah, it was a real captain's game from him start to finish on the weekend. It was underscored. Yeah, I thought so too, but... Um, yeah, he's been a great pickup for us ever since we got him cheap. And um, I'm, you know, any chance I can give Zach Merritt a little bit of praise, I will take it. Fault of the week is, I mean, it could be Butters for that 81 on debut. That's like the poorest score he's had since he was playing more forward. Um, so that was pretty disappointing for me. It could be Tom Green, who's really looking like he's faltering for the second half of the year. Um, but maybe yeah mm, yeah let's let's give it to butters that's you know he killed me while, like for a month or two and come into my team and score an 80 it's yeah very disappointing so i'll give it to him hopefully I don't think I did my, back do i do my fault of the week i don't think i did <laughs> it's got to be himmelberg right <laughs> it's himmelberg i'm sick of this bloke <laughs> i can't believe how many clangers have to sit through he plays the crows this week so i will be watching so 
Um, I know that he got a 90 score. I think that's the most generous 90 I've ever seen to have seven clangers, 22 touches, um, and a 90. I think, look, I'll take it. But yeah, we need a bit more from him because he's like, he's not on this planet. His head's in somewhere else. He's already, he, he's counting no the money. He's racking it up. There's no way he hasn't signed something. That's the way he's playing. So. He's very annoying. And I'll just touch on Eno as well. Uh, he scored 2,489 into rank 1.6K. He has held Sicily, so um, that has cost him probably 200 points, maybe more. That's been a, yeah, a bit of a train wreck, but he'll get him back now and he's a pod, so he'll be okay. Um, I'll give you, I'll do a fault and MVP for him as well. I think a fault I'll give to Chincotta. 45 as cover for Sicily. I think, yeah, it's just another 70-odd points gone down the drain. And MVP, I'll give it to only a 119, but Sammy Walsh is one that he's held the faith with. I uh, could have flipped him in the bias, but he's turned it around um, pretty well. So uh, just a 119, but played really, really well. One of his best games for the year. So, um, yeah, it's, I think he he's turning it around. Also- also could have given his MVP to um, Nass, who went 110 again. Less than 3% of teams, given the price he paid for him. Very happy with that score. Um, all right. So we'll just run down the news and then maybe talk through some implications of this at the end. So, um, oh, actually, w- before we jump into the injury news and stuff, maybe we'll start with Stewie Jew, who obviously copped the bullet today for Gold Coast, which uh, whether you think it was fair or not, it has happened. Um, super coach implications. What are your thoughts there, George? Uh, super coach perspective, not much. It'll be interesting to see where Took plays. They deliberately put him at half forward. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if the coach throws him straight back into the midfield, but um, they do have to try and balance. Sam Flanders is out of contract. I think Elijah Hollands is in the twos. I think it was an article, Holland's Flanders being circled by Vic clubs at the moment. So interesting to see if there's anything there. Um, nothing, yeah, nothing to note, I guess. It's just, uh, I don't think Tuke was an, I wouldn't be going into Tuke anyway, but maybe for next year, you know, he could have pushed forward status, but we'll see how he goes. Yeah, I mean, my read on this is like, Firstly, you expect some bounce back games, so maybe they're a little bit tougher to play against um, post a, a coach sacking. And I, I do think there were a few like interesting moves that they've done this year with where people playing like Flanders, like Miller, uh, and you've got players like Constable that were obviously out of favour. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and whether they change much. But generally, it just seems to be that they kind of keep more or less what they're doing and um, intensity of the side kind of comes up a bit. It'd be interesting if they still made finals from here, which they're honestly in a position to do. So we'll see how the year plays out. Just quickly, do you think it was the right call to sack Jew? Uh, so, uh, I think based on where they were trending, you know, like it, it's been a bit rough for him just because they've had what, um, Miller out most of this year. They had King out all of last year. They had Wits out all the year before. So kind of missing one of your top five players each of the last three years, I think is pretty tough. Um, and despite that, they've still kind of been trending in the right direction, despite things not being great. A lot of the stuff that we kind of laugh at Gold Coast about, Things like um, the Weller trade, uh, Peter Wright, Will Brody, Bose. Like, that's all list management. That's not really him. So it kind of feels like he started with a pretty poor team. He's got them to average to nearly contending. And he's been dealt a pretty rough hand in doing it. 
Um, I also don't really feel like they've had like big retention problems or anything like that while he's been there. And they've kind of, it seems like they've built good culture around like Raul and Anderson and this kind of next group coming through. So to be honest, I feel like it's stiff to sack him now rather than go through to the end of the year. But I can understand that if they're really hot on hard work, then this is probably why they've done that. So they're front of the queue before um, other clubs decide to move on from coaches. We saw it last year, right, with North courting Clarko and then what Essendon deciding a week before that we want to throw our hat into the ring. It's just too late. So I think there is a bit of a need for um, uh, them to go early on stuff like that. And, geez, I didn't realize there were sarong owners in your house, George. They must have just heard the verdict. There's just... (laughs) I say I'm doing a podcast just to keep it down and there's roller doors smashing and glasses destroyed. And anyway, this is all sorts of weird sounds. So hopefully that's gone in a few minutes, but yeah. Um, no, yeah. yeah. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> oh, how do you feel about the juice hacking? Like, do you, do you feel like it was the right uh, move? I'm not sure. I guess you're not really on the inside. I mean, I'm a fantasy player. I watch individual players more than teams. They did get a lot of concessions a few years ago. Um, Anderson was for free. It's just unbelievable to get him for free. Um, yeah, I don't know. I th- think they could have done a bit more with the midfield. They just kept Rao Anderson Took stuck in there the last few years. feel like they Flanders should have gone in there earlier, like a last year or something, mix it up a bit. Um, yeah, bottom few plays aren't that good though. So uh, it's a tough one. I think it's uh, with Hardwick available. I think it was probably the right call, but they got to secure him. So we'll see how they go. Yeah, it's just like second second time head coaches never really like haven't really performed that much. And I say that uh, as like an Essendon um, fan with a second time head coach. Just they don't often tend to work out that well in terms of success. So we'll see what happens and whether um, Hardwick's game plan can, uh, I guess, continue and continue to work with this new crop. Uh, it's not like he's set out of the game and studied and come back. He's just gone straight into it. So well, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, moving on to the rest of the news for the week then. And as I alluded to, Sarong's suspension for one week has been upheld. Uh, he's about 33% owned in the top 1,000, which is rough for owners. Dunkley has been confirmed to miss a second week with that calf. It sounds like he's expected to be back next week, but we'll wait and see. These things can linger. Um, Lloyd has uh, been confirmed with the concussion, but sounds like nothing more sinister than that and should have missed the one week. Was already, I think, up and training and showing good signs this week. So it doesn't sound like one that'll extend. Uh, Darcy Cameron hit with a little bit of a rumor today. A um, bit of fake news going around, uh, a little bit of whispers and rumors, you know, playing out. But it sounds like um, uh, he left uh, to go do the vacuuming, George, just like your, your fine self. <laughs> Why do I bother? Anyway, um, just quick, I'll have to mute. But um, yeah, all that we know is he left the track. That's all we know. Yeah. That's all we can confirm. Yeah, and so yeah, there was some talk that maybe he had a side strain or that something else was going on or that he'd copped a knock from the game on the weekend. But yeah, he came out, trained a little bit, left early. We'll see what happens on Thursday. That is one that people are going to be sweating this week just given the compounding other stuff. And you know, if you already have Dunkley out and then you had DC on top of it, uh, it can get pretty tricky. Uh, Ridley, who was injured during that Essendon game and subbed off, he had scans this week and was cleared of serious structural damage. So it sounds like just bro- bone bruising, but the phrasing on him is that he is an outside chance to play. Reading the tea leaves, it sounds like he will miss and I'd be planning accordingly. 
Um, Nankervis uh, got three weeks at the tribunal. Kind of surprised it wasn't four, but apparently showing remorse is something they take into consideration, which is really strange in these things. Uh, life set is a test this week, so we'll see what happened. Hasn't set the world on fire, but I do feel like he's an improvement um, in terms of uh, difficulty to score on over uh, Hayes and um, Vicentini or, or, or however you pronounce his name. Um, uh, one of the big ones um, this week was Blank, who got injured at training. Uh, and this is kind of interesting with Sicily's return because Sicily was scoring much better with him in the side. Uh, because he was playing less lockdown response, like responsibilities or duties. So um, some interest to see whether that affects his scoring in the next couple of weeks. But obviously, if you've already got Sicily, uh, you're just holding. And if you're looking at getting Sicily, I think you kind of just have to do it anyway because his break-even was low and his price is going to be unreachable. Yeah, exactly. Worth noting, they did play Weddle on Kerno a few weeks ago, which is a ridiculous ask. Um, so they can play him key position if they wish against... North yeah, Melbourne. and they played um, Granger Barras in the forward line as well, so he could um, be moved back, which I'm not really sure what they're going to experiment with there. I think but, they've um, given up on him as a defender. I would say so if he's in the forward line. It's been we'll three years now. Um, uh, actually, speaking of key defenders, not listed here, but um, on the Frio side, was it Pierce or Cox that's out? I think it's Pierce, right? Um, so that's I'm a bit sure. of a... Uh, that, well, there was talk of one of them. Uh, Cox is undergoing scans to determine the extent of the ankle injury that was uh, after finishing the clash against Carlton Saw. So if he's out to miss, and I believe he is, if you um, check Discord while I talk, George, um, but it sounds like he might miss a little bit and that could lead Ryan to play more of a lockdown role, which would hurt his scoring. So similar boat to Sicily. Jeremy Cameron is a test for those that had jumped on him and were hoping uh, for his cover. For those that um, haven't he's got 176 break even and is priced at 395. So if he looks good this week, he might actually be a cheap cover option um, that you could potentially get in just one trade. We've got uh, Oliver, who is still two to three weeks away, which makes sense given his list is three to four last week. And then Yo is one to two weeks away for those that have cover for him. Unfortunately, that might be a little uh, too little too late. Oh, that was a big mouthful, big rundown. Um, George, did you find any Cox news? Well, you are on mute. We're going for the trifecta. I hope someone's playing George Bingo at home. Uh, I did hear Cox out. Like, I don't have much more than that. Yeah, I can't see it on the injury list, but... People are hoping Ryan to play. Okay. uh... So I'm just bringing it up. Cox has been ruled out this week. That's all it says from Fremantle. Yep. Okay. Um, I think the other one that's interesting for them is Heath Chapman, right? Who hasn't played much footy this year. His hamstrings only listed as a week away. And that feels like another one that could potentially um, hurt Ryan. Although I think he played just the three games and Ryan scored well through those. But if they're looking for other avenues out of defense, then uh, Chapman coming back in could be one of those. All right. So that's a lot that we've covered. Um, the big question that people will be asking this week, George, is with, you know, Sarong one week, Dunkley one week, Lloyd one week, Ridley one week, and potentially uh, DC in the one week category as well. What should we be doing about these players? Um, and would you be trading in any situation? They are one-weekers, so they are all holds. I think uh, people's bench is being put under a lot of pressure. 
So the question I'll follow up and uh, say, totally, totally agree. So no one in the top uh, thousand has all five, but there are some teams with four. There are some teams with three. So um, say you're in the situation where you're potentially copying a donut for one of these players because you just don't have the bench cover. Uh, Would you trade the one week injury or in what circumstance would you trade the one week injury? And I think like just speaking out loud rather than putting you on the spot, if you could do things like Lloyd to Sicily in one trade, it feels like it's an upgrade for extra points and you miss a donut this week, stuff like that I'd be fine with, even if it meant going down to one or two trades. Otherwise, um, I'm probably not sidewaysing a lot of these guys to other players at equivalent price if you're that low on trades. What, what, what do you think? I don't think you want to trade dunks. Uh, I don't think you want to trade Sarong. I think Lloyd I would let go, but he's dropped a bit of money, which makes it difficult. Yep. Could go to Nasai Wanganin Miller. If like I'd only trade if you're copying a donut, put it that way. I think Lloyd probably the best option at the price is Nas. There is um Angus Brayshaw is playing midfield at the moment. No Oliver and um Track is supposed to be playing more half forward. Yep. Uh I mean, he's still kicking goals nonstop anyway, but uh, still not ideal. I think his CBAs were like 50%, so maybe that's what it is, 50% from now on. So that could be one to look at, but when Oliver comes back, to the CBAs drop, drop for Angus Brayshaw. Uh, yeah, not really sure what else, what else you could do. Um, I, I think you trade your worst one. There's a world where if you could trade Sarong for someone better, I don't think Sarong's like that expensive either. What's he like five fifty? Yeah, we, we're at five sixty-seven. I mean, it's you. There are some decent players, like you know, Brayshaw's in that range for like nine k cheaper. Um, one of the options I'll talk a little bit about if we get to it is Parish at five eighty-two. Who I mean, so there are like some some alternatives, but I don't think there's too many like really obvious upgrades at that price range. I guess. I think you just got to hold on unless you've got like. Depends on your trade count too, but um, just yeah, don't cop a donut because that's what trades are for, covering donuts. Um, but hopefully you've got cover and you don't have too many of them. But yeah, if you can hold. Okay, excellent. Uh, all right. Um, so we've got a couple of questions in here that we've thrown out or being asked to answer ourselves. And one, I think, builds on a poll that you posted on Twitter this week, which was, would you rather have 22 primos, uh, so a full team of primos and two trades in the bank, or have 23 primos and zero trades? The last time I checked the poll, it was about 80% in favor of they would rather have two trades left and 22 premiums then zero trades and 23 premiums. I must say, I do take some of that stuff with a grain of salt because I feel like it's biased towards what they've done. You know, because people want to believe that they made the right choice. So I wonder how many of those people are in the situation where they're in that 22 premiums and two trades and so they voted for the thing that they did versus they actually believe it's better. What what, so what do you think, George? I was listening to Moreau's Magic's podcast. He's got 24 premiums and zero trades. It's got one on me, one extra premium. Um, I think it did cost him Jack Steele on the bench though, which is pretty rough. But I think the, the purpose is we're going to get one weekers. We just got like three or four one weekers basically this week. None, fortunately, I only have Dunkley, but some people have got like you strong and Lloyd and whatnot. 
So it's like the way I see is I just want to get points, points, points. And if I can field my 23rd, the best I can get to is Doherty, who we'll speak about in a soon. Um, so if I can field Doherty over Weddle, that could be 50 points. Doherty's also got St. Kilda and West Coast in the next month, which are pretty good matchups. So I have like rookie cover galore. I have like Mullins playing. I don't know how long for. I've got Chester. I've got Marich. I've got maybe Roberts comes back. I don't know. But um, And then I'll be getting Cooper Harvey in, who I suspect will play the rest of the year. So look, not great rookie cover, but I've got the 23rd premium. They would be required if I get an injury or um, – or like basically two injuries. That's the only way I need to call on them. So I'm interesting to hear what you think because I want to get Doherty and go to zero. Yeah. Seven weeks left, which is a lot of, and you're leaving it down to chance. I know that, but I just feel if I keep getting short-term injuries, I can keep cover, covering them rather than blade 50 points fielding rookies. So what do you reckon? Yeah, so it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, and I think it depends on how the year plays out as a big part of it, right? Like, even in the week that we've just got now, we've got like three or four one in like one injuries. Like you can end up having so many of them stack up that having a 23rd primo doesn't help, especially if it meant that you could have had two playing rookies, but you had to downgrade anyway. So like you can get into these weird situations. And I think you also have the other thing that happens is, you know, the Selby anecdote, who's a fabulous coach, but looping players there's just so much variance that can happen with the scoring that even if you pick the better matchup and rah, 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 on a one week kind of given play, you can end up losing points because you looped the wrong player and all this type of stuff. I find that people overrate the impact of being able to loop these premiums because most people actually aren't very good at predicting premium scores on a week to week change, much better predicting an average over a season or over a month than we are at any individual game. Um, but in terms of cover, I think it really then comes down to, do we actually get any more long injuries from here? So in the example we're talking about, 22 primos and two trades versus 23 primos and zero. Well, for covering a one-week injury, the 23 primos is going to be better because you're not using a rookie to cover, you're using an extra primo. But if Dunkley, um, instead of going down for a one-week calf, went down with an eight-week shoulder, then the people with 22 primos and two trades are going to be able to side swap him to someone that's worth 650k where the 23 primo team now has to field the 23rd primo for the rest of the year and that could be Sheasel, it could be Himmelberg, someone not good and so instantly you're losing points over the, those that traded Dunkley to someone equally as expensive and on top of that, if there's any other further primos, whether that's one weekers or long terms, then you don't have any trades and the other team does. So with how much time there is left in the year, I still think that having trades is better than having no trades just because if long injury, a long-term injury happens, you end up much further behind. Um, and so it's almost like for those that are in the two trades um, situation, if there's lots of teams out there with zero, but the 23rd Primo, you're actually hoping for a long-term injury to a really commonly owned player so you can get a leg up over them on the run home. Um so yeah, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, George. I, I kind of went on a bit of a tangent, but um, I, I have a feeling that 22 primos and two trades is better, but that's also what I've done. So this is a you know confirmation bias here that I made the right move. And I think neither will be pro proven right or wrong until we see how the last six weeks plays out and how many injuries happen and what length they are. Yeah, well, I was, I was lucky I had a loop. I could have loop. I, I've got loops everywhere. I've set up the team okay, but like... I was going, if I had a choice between fielding MJ and Weddle, who I still have, I would have fielded MJ. 
and he dropped a 30 and that would have aggravated me. But what would also aggravate me is if I got three zeros on the way home. So I think it just comes down to, do you want to risk it for some sort of biscuit? Uh, I think I probably will. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, now I see you've labeled this next section premiums, but actually it sounds like a George's question. Um, so you wanted to talk about Doherty here and whether he's an option and his role on the weekend. Do you want to elaborate on? So the last few weeks he's been playing and starting on the wing. And he does float back a bit and we know he's Doherty. He loves his easy marks from the ground, get the ball around the back. He's been doing that for years and that hasn't changed. But on the wing, like he has, when things are going well on the wing, like you're generally winning. So Carlton have won by what, 10 goals, three weeks in a row, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. So there's 110 average in that. They play Port this week. Uh, I think I've got Collingwood as well on the run home. So what does that mean for Doherty? Uh, I can see he played wing end of 20, uh, before the cancer bout, I think it was, 2021. I think his average was somewhere in the 90s on the wing. So that could be what he is. Um I didn't watch the game, but I watched the tape on the AFL app. And yeah, it was around the ball. It was around stoppages a bit, which was good. Before this wing roll happened three weeks ago or two weeks ago, he was getting 30 to 40% or 20 to 40% CBAs roughly. So um, yeah, I think the split was about 75, 25, 75% wing, 25% defense. Um, what do you think? Is this something that concerns you at all? Uh I guess so, just because anytime you hear the word wing, you get a little bit, ooh, a little bit, a little bit scared of that. And I think you're right that um, he's gone, while he has gone 110 over the last three games, that has been against, you know, like 10 goal wins basically on average. And then before that, they got beat by what Essendon and Melbourne, and that was sub tons in both those games. So is it tied to his form? You know, that's pretty scary this week against Port, but then potentially really nice against West Coast the week after. In terms of what I saw from the game, and to be honest, I was not watching Doherty's role as closely as I was watching some of the Frio players. Um, but every time I noticed him getting the ball, he was behind the play and racking it up. Uh so I never really saw him as winning it on the wing and maybe he was starting there, but to me it always looked like he was working more behind the ball and getting it there. Now looking at the heat maps over the last three weeks, I kind of see three different heat maps. I see one where it's like very like back pocket. I see one where it's um, very wing like in terms of where he won it. And then a third one where he was uh, basically like on the defensive 50 uh, then up and through the wing. So to be honest, I think he's just floating around behind play and then linking up. But um, yeah, I guess we'll see how it plays out and how that role evolves. And I'll say that form too, which helps. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the the latest round was the one that was most wing like for those that are wondering. Uh, so yeah, I guess there is some concern because it's not where he's really performed at his best in the past, but it did. It doesn't feel like the type of wing role you think of when we say wing. Yeah. I think we'll leave it at that. Um, Next up, you've got uh, Sheezel listed here, which is very confusing because this is meant to be your premiums category. Why is Sheezel? Yeah, well, I think people were, have a large percentage of the comp have Sheezel. 
but about fifty percent on the top of thousand, something I, like that. I panic traded him to Lockie Neal. I just thought like literally everyone was getting Neal, and I'm like, mm, I have to trade Chisel to get him, and it was a looks like the right call because Neal was. Yep. <laughs> I didn't. I I didn't actually. I think I had Neal like right on the edge of the top eight mids, but it looks like he's back to like a top four. Right, he's got a five round thing. average of one twenty nine, which is the yeah, five games okay. since he's by. So he's that been, been a pretty, pretty, yeah, been pretty bonkers. Um. So yeah, a cheese will play at GMHBA. That's like a nightmare ground for some players, especially outsideish players. We saw Golden score like forty or fifty there. So I think a cheese will bounce back. No Zebul, maybe if he's sub or not. They've lost. Griffin Logue, so they might need some reinforcements down back. Zebul can play key position, but when he has, it's been a disaster at times. So I uh, see what reinforcements they have there. Uh, I think you the just consider me was that They wanted to put like Taron Thomas more behind the ball. At least I saw him there at stages. Uh, and then you had mm. Luke McDonald kind of going back to that role he'd played in the past where he was doing more of the exiting with it. So... Uh, I'm I'm a little bit confused as to why they've moved away from Sheasel. I don't think he had a very good first half, but was there too many in that team that you could say did? Like anyway, I think you just um, pack him in from here unless you can upgrade him. Yeah, I mean I'm pretty concerned about him to be honest. Um, Luke McDonald took kick in for the first time uh, since round eleven, so there you go. Core was involved with him too. Thomas took one. Perez took one. Like all over the shop. He had 30 touches like two weeks ago and three weeks ago. So, yeah, the and what I've been saying a week is the matchup is really good. So if you could promise me that he's in defense, then don't mind keeping him there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's tough. It's very hard to know what North are going to do at the moment. Yeah. Um, all right, you've listed um, a couple of rookies and cheapies here for people to um, finish their teams off if they're looking for some discount options. So um, just touching them on them quickly, you got Cooper Harvey, um, Boomer's Boy, who looked pretty good on debut, um, 52 points, 117k mid forward, probably the pick of the bunch this week. Uh, you've got Banks, who debuted for the Tigers as a defender. And I thought he looked all right at times, but just the 38 um, uh, super coach points for him at 123K. Uh, but he does have defender status, I guess, if you're looking for someone who is playing as a defender. And then you've got um, Wo Woden, um, father-son for the Ds, who scored 43, uh, another 117K mid-forward. Um, George, if you're looking to downgrade this week, do you have a preference of the three listed? Um, not Wade Woden. Probably could be issues. Uh, I yeah. mean, for, for, for me, if you're picking one of these guys that's playing, you're just looking for the one that's most likely to get games. And I would have that as Harvey at the moment. He's been killing it in the twos. Not that the others haven't, but um, just given where North's at, it feels like the natural one to kind of um, get games into with where they're at. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'd be going Harvey as well. I believe he's my target in fantasy this week if I go for a rookie downgrade. And then on the cheapies, there's uh, four we've got listed here. So Steele at 475K, who definitely bounced back this week. Mills at 424K, who looked pretty good uh, in the game on Thursday last week. Flanders at 370K, proving that there was something there in the preseason pick. The role just didn't eventuate. And then uh, finally, Himmelberg at 420K, which, I mean, after how much you've complained about him, George, I don't know how you could have him on this list. But um, of these options, is there anyone that you're really falling in love with at their price? 
I just thought because they're very cheap and um, people might be looking at, I don't know. Are you, are you endorsing all of them then or how do you think? Uh, so st- worth noting with Steele is he looked fantastic when I brought him in. I think he scored like a 120, 130. And then it was quite downhill from there. So I do wonder, is this still, was he just good once every six weeks? I uh, don't know, but he looked great on the weekend and was his 150th. So players can get up for milestone matches as we've seen. Um, I still think I probably take still over Mills, just, just Mills is coming off the calf and Steel's like they're trying to make finals. So, and more secure role, I guess. So that's, why I'd have Steel ahead. But yeah, it's just the form's a bit up and down with Steel. With Mills, he looked good. Fourth quarter, he went into the midfield where he belongs and cooked 50 points or something. Like, you can't trust Horse with Mills. He's like, doesn't matter how well he plays, he will get thrown around. So, but regardless, I think his floor should be like 95, um, being like, that's worst case, I think. So I think he's fine for the run home. Uh, how much do you care about soft tissue stuff? Uh, that's up to you. <laughs> uh, Flanders, 370K. Well, the, originally I had this here because they basically said Tuke Miller is a half forward. He's playing half forward, which means Flanders is the third one in the rotation now. But now they have a new coach, so now I'm confused. So 370K, very expensive. I think you could do worse for a bench player. I could... I don't know. Gut feel is new coach comes in, seeing what Flanders has done, like three articles on him in preseason, big scores in the twos, had a bit of injury interruption as well. He's going to throw Flanders in the midfield, like almost certainly, I think. So uh, that's one you could look at. And then I got Himmelberg just because he's like the role's fine. Like Keith went down. Now, the interesting thing is, yeah, they lost O'Halloran, who's a forward, but they're going to get Daniels back. And they've lost Keith, who played forward, but they didn't throw Himmelberg forward when Keith went down. Now, if Himmelberg's not playing for a contract, uh, I would be playing him forward, even though he's been poor there this year. They just have a surplus of defenders. But for whatever reason, they refuse to throw him back. And I just, like, I still worry that he might be thrown forward just because of how bad he looks and the surplus of defenders they have. So, I don't know. But it just seems like he's just invincible at the moment at halfback. So, not invincible as in, um, like, immune to going forward because a lot has gone wrong and uh, they won't put him forward. Worth watching team sheets, though, if they bring in Cadman or not uh, for Lockie Keith. But yeah, GWS are playing for finals, and Cadman's not up to it yet. So I don't know if the hand is forced and they put him a big forward, but yeah, it just hasn't happened when it probably could have quite a few times. So in all honesty, in all honesty, though, I'd probably just avoid, actually. All right, excellent. Could have started uh, with that, but anyway. Yeah, uh, of, of the options listed, if you're having to trade one in to play on field, I think Steele's the one that I like best for what it's worth. I'm not trying to touch uh, Flanders or Himmelberg as it stands, but obviously they've got DPP that the straight midfielder doesn't have. Uh, all right, let's quickly touch on vice-captain captains, and then there's two things we've got left. Um, firstly, I asked the Discord if you were a bold super coacher or you wanted to make a bold move this week, um, what trade would you do? Like, who would you move on for who? Um, so hopefully we've got a few interesting uh options to discuss out of that. And then secondly, I have um, pulled together quickly a quiz question for you, George, to test some knowledge this year on an AFL topic. 
although I'm now looking at my tabs and I can't find it, so that's a bit of a concern. I might have to pull that back up. Um, but, yeah, let's jump into captain, vice captain, then we'll finish out with those segments. Is there anyone that has caught your eye this week? Um, where is your VC and C resting at the moment? So Bont has a good away record, but I'll probably pass on him. Bont and Pelly. Oh, is he a good captain option? Interesting. Okay. Yep. On VC. Thanks. On yep. yep. Okay. Uh, yep. Another yep. potential good option. Yep. Uh, Nicholas Dacos, Macedonian. Yep. Uh, yeah, I th- I've heard of him before. It's like Brownlow favorite or something. Yeah, okay. Second uh, yep. coming of uh, Gary Ablett Jr., it seems. Dacos MCG against a depleted Fremantle, no sarong midfield. They lack a big body. They can't bring in your boy, uh, Will Brody. He's got an ankle issue at the moment. So it's going to be Collingwood's midfield versus Andy, Erasmus, Johnson, and O'Meara at the MCG in Fremantle's current form. I think the VC will be on Nick Dacos for me. Oh, so, sorry. VC, Nick Dacos, who's your C? I'd probably take Dacos. I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. But it, the backup will be... Uh, it's Merritt's 200th, so put on Merritt. Yeah. But it's at GMHBA, which yeah. I don't like. Against the Cats. I mean, Cats have been all right to score on, I guess. Uh, but yeah. Merritt doesn't have great history against them, which I'm a little bit worried about. Uh, although I think it's partly because we just lose all the time to them. Um <coughs> Yeah, I currently have the very boring Bont into Dacos, uh, VC into C. I think some have been toying with, well, could this be an English week, just given that Hickey um, hasn't looked particularly good against uh, some of the rucks that he's played, to be honest. And I think it was last year, English went 155 on them. I can't remember if Hickey was playing that game, though. So uh, I don't mind that as a bit of a swerve if you're looking for a left field option. Um, Neil against the Ds with no Oliver and potentially no Petrarca in that midfield. Does that do anything for you? Mm, it is, Neil it likes is outside of the Yeah, but it's outside Didn't the game. Right? Yeah. Yep. Didn't he score like 160 on them in the final? I can't remember uh, something like that. He went nuts. Geez. Yeah, possibly. He has done some good work in the finals. Yeah, you could. I just think Dacos has to be involved against Fremantle. It's just my preferred option generally gets the VC. I just wish Dacos was playing first. It would be easier. Yeah, so. yeah I think so. Um, and I then don't I, don't, I don't want to take another 120 from Bond. Like, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that is the hard thing. And maybe this is, I've got to weigh this up with whether I stick with Bond into Dacos. Is if Bond goes 123 again this week, would I take it? Um, and if the answer is no, I probably should pick someone else. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I could go big against the Swans. Uh, look, the only other option I'll throw out there is a bit of a left field one is Taranto, who's had a couple of down weeks. He's playing West Coast Eagles, which have obviously been a nice matchup. Feels like a chance for him to put up a big score after a couple of disappointing weeks. Is is there any any chance you'd look at him? Uh, no. Just He's can't trust he, him? Hasn't, uh, he hasn't gone above 150 this year. I mean, he's been great. But I don't trust him in the same way that I trust uh, a few others. Like, could be others that get off the chain, like Shea Bolton and whatever. Uh, no, nah, not for me. I like Toronto, but uh, I like Dacos and Bont. And what I have him ahead of, I'd have probably have Merritt ahead. Yeah, okay. So I'll pass. Yeah. I had three scores above 140. Jeez, tough marker. Okay. 
Um, all right, that, that's good. I think the captains seem pretty shallow in terms of options this week. Uh, now, George, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with bold moves or should we do the trivia? Uh, let's do uh, bold moves. All right. So I said um, best answers would get a chance to be read out, but to be honest, I haven't had a chance to screen them. So I think we'll just uh, go through it. Uh, and knowing our Discord, some of these will be serious and some of these will be tongue-in-cheek and we'll try and decipher as we go along the way. So the first one is Sarong to Chera, which I feel like is a bit of a shot. Um, uh, That's a troll. There. I believe so. Um, one here is Dunks to Sicily. How do you feel about that as a bold move this week? No. Uh, what if you got a feeling that like, maybe Dunks is actually two away, not one? Yep, sure. All right. Um, their worst forward to Tex in round 24. I think that's a good one. I think that's the week he's playing uh, West Coast Eagles. So if you are one of those teams that have trade up your sleeve and you end up with one towards the end, you could always look to smash it into a plus matchup like that. Um, I see a lot of like whoever their best cover is to Hewitt, uh, which I, I assume they're being serious. Uh, what George Hewitt's 280K now with 125 break even, so you don't even have to go nah. on him this week. Uh, but I'm assuming that he, what? Oh, well, who's, who's he spots he taking the midfield? Oh, Kennedy got injured, right? Oh, yeah, uh, good point. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, even with a 125 break even, though, um, you can wait this week until, unless you desperately need him. The problem is he only covers midfield, so if you've already got cover there, it really doesn't do a lot for you, and Given that he's been out of favor, that might actually be a bit of a risky move. But I guess that's why it's in the bold, bold strategy section. Um, MJ to Dusty. That is definitely bold. How do you feel about that, George? Get the feeling Dusty's not that cheap. 434K plays West Coast oh. this week, which is obviously pretty nice. And then Hawks the week after. Is he back in the midfield? Uh, we'll have a look at the old CBA rotation. He scored 131 on the weekend, I know, which was a very nice score. Bring up some old Tiger CBAs. I haven't looked at them in a hot minute because, I mean, Richmond are largely back to being irrelevant for Supercoach, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, he did not have CBAs. He only had 22%, so about um, you know close to his average for the year so far. Um, still mainly Taranto, Hopper, Prestia, and Bolton with uh, Cochin taking up a little bit. No. Okay. Yep. Um, bold, but probably not the type of bold move that we like. Uh, Petraka to Parish. Now, this is one that I actually do like a lot with Petraka playing forward um, or, you know, potentially playing more forward. There's obviously a bit of scare in there. And um, Parish looked really good on the weekend, combined well with Merritt. Um, and with Shield kind of seemingly out of favor at the moment, does give him scope, to, I think, to score pretty well. He's now had, what, a one uh, 131 and a 126 in the last two weeks after kind of coming back slow. Uh, and, you know, those were against Port and Adelaide, so um, no no small feat in either of those games. Um, Essendon still have the West Coast, North um, kind of double on the run home. So, yeah. try to parish. Hey, we vibe check on this one i i can see this being a, a positive move on the run home no don't oh yeah i don't know i feel like you could it's so i mean it, this no. is why it's, uh, this is why i like it. it's bold right Petrarca's averaging 120 but uh, the, the role worries me and i don't think he's going to kick four goals a week so uh all right anyone to what Dusty do you think parish what do you think parish averages for the rest of the year uh like 
I think I think he's probably top eight or close to it for here. Um, another one that's got uh, anyone to Dusty for twenty third primo floor is seventy can easily get one twenty in those games. Good run as well. Yeah, I just I don't buy in on um, uh, Dusty. Uh, Look now, the trade out is obviously a bit of uh, a troll here in in Bont, but they're talking about getting Jack Viney in with no Oliver and with uh, Petrarca playing forward more. Is Viney someone that you could consider for a run of games? No. Okay, there we go. Uh, yep, there's a lot of Dunkley to Martins now. I've, just crazy. Uh, Dunkley to Sicily, Sarong to LDU. Uh, LDU was obviously one that started. Okay, all right. Uh, okay, I think that's about it. Um, okay, bold moves, not bold enough. Oh, here we go. Butters to Nick Martin. No, not worth a trade. Not worth a trade. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, he could be sneaky one round 21 22 Northwest Coast. So. Yep, there's probably a fair few bombers you could have Peter Wright um, in that stretch if he's still cheap you could look at. All right, now my um, my little quiz for the week is I was thinking about this a lot. We talk about like Coleman who's been kicking goals, but we don't give enough credit to those that have been creating goal assists, score chains, all that type of stuff. So this week, rather than um, trying to get you to guess the top five in the Coleman, I'm going to get you to guess the top five for goal assists in the 2023 year and whether it surprised you or not who's on this list. Goal assists. Okay. Yep, goal not assists. score assists, goal assists. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not score involvements, not score launches, goal assists. And so okay. the difference for those that don't know is goal assist is literally last possession before a goal. It's like you handballing it off, they kick the goal straight away. Score involvements is if you've been in the chain that's led to the score. And then score launches are like you were the first touch or possession in the chain. So like rucks get a lot of score launches, for example, where you might find more of like your midfielders getting the score involvements. Okay, Tom Hawkins is a great guess. He's up there every year, and he is in the top five. He's tied at number five with seventeen goal assists. Okay, nice. Uh, go with Taylor Walker. Taylor Walker uh, is not in there. No. Uh, this is hard. Who sets oh, up yeah, goals? Yeah. All right, so I'll give you, yeah, I'll start to give you some clues. Uh, Nick Dacos is not in there. Um, Start to give you some clues. So there's no more key forwards on the list, but there are two more players that have been playing mostly forward. In fact, a lot of um, the remaining players are like wings, um, uh, wings and midfielders. Actually, not wings, but like midfielders. So some like think more you're like mid forward type. Petrarca's got to be there. Petrarca is number two on the list with 20 goal assists. All right, so we got Hawkins, we got Petrarca. Yep. Do we have Marcus Bontebelli? He's not in there, no. Uh, there are, I would say, like the two biggest names in terms of like star status are the two that you've already listed. So you're going to have to think a little bit more outside the box. Okay. Um, this is a very difficult. Uh, I'll give you, I'll start give you some more clues then. Um, uh, they're one player is for, for a WA team and the other three are at big clubs. Vic WA team. Yep. Can't be West Coast. Could be free player. Correct. Uh, who's in their forward line? It's Spikowski. a midfielder. I'll give you it, it's oh. a midfielder. Brayshaw. He said no stars, so. Uh, yep. So think different different player in that midfield. 
Sarong. No, no. Sarong, yeah, Sarong. Sarong. Yep. Oh, okay. He's tied he's tied fifth oh, wow. with Hawkins. He's tied fifth with Hawkins on seventeen. So we're gonna uh, need now, to get two more. Yep. Yeah, so um from the, big clubs. The top player and then the other two are tied in third. Victorian club. Two two of the players can be found on Anzac Day. Is it Nick Martin? Nick Martin is one of them. Very good. He had 18. He's tied no third. Well, I said like, yeah, no, no. I said like, they're not lots of wingers. There was a winger. The rest of oh, them. Oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I phrased pretty well. So yeah, 18, 18 goal assists tied on third. You got... Um, and Collingwood player... Yep. ...would be... I wonder if it's a forward or midfielder. Yes. It's not Josh. No. No, not another winger. Forward. Collingwood forward. Yeah, so previously a midfielder. This is pretty like pretty strong clue here. Taylor Adams. Taylor Adams is third. Oh, wow. is, yeah, it's probably one of the more that. surprising one at 18. And then um the first one is one that I think is obvious when you hear it, but probably pretty hard to guess. Uh, he plays for the Cats. And he leads by eight. He's got eight more than Petrarca. Is it not the one that the Cats fans have been pushing for all Australian? Well, for, there's probably a fair few of them if they're Cats fans. Not Myers, is it? It is Grian Myers with 28 oh. all assists. He leads Petrarca with 20. All Geelong supporters on Twitter wanting all Australian. Anyway. <laughs> um, Taylor Adams and Nick Martin with 18 apiece. Hawkins and Sarong with 17 apiece. So, yeah, the goal assist kings. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I was hoping to like make a list of those that were like goals plus goal assists to kind of get like the cumulative number. And I think you'll find that it's still a lot of those that are on the Coleman board, but it um, ties it up a little bit. Uh, all right, very, very good. Um, that's, I think, all from us for this evening. Um, George, is there anything you'd like to say to our fine listeners before we sign off? Trades are there to be used. Go zero. Let's go. That's right. That, <laughs> that is why you start a fantasy team so you can scratch your trade itch and then not touch your super coach side. Hold the trades. Hold is gold at this time of year. People listen. Like if you're boring. Anyway. And if you do want to do a trade, get Parrish in. That's the, that's the message that you should take out from this one. Uh, all right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We'll see you uh, next week as always. Best of luck with the week ahead.